Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Welcome to Skylines, the City Metric podcast. I'm John, and I'm not actually here right now. I'm, uh, I, I, despite it being this close to Christmas, I have taken a week off, and I'm in Vienna. Uh, so as you listen to this, I'm probably at a Christmas market drinking some glue wine and eating far too many carbs. I don't know if you've been to Vienna. It's a very, it's a very beautiful city, but it's kind of a strange one because, you know, for one thing, it, it used to be this capital of this enormous Central European empire. And you can kind of feel that everywhere. It's got these grand buildings, uh, you know, these, pal- these palaces everywhere. And it's now not the capital of a European empire. Now it's the capital of a, a quite a small country. But it does give it a sort of grandeur. Uh, another thing that's kind of strange about Vienna these days is that it has a very different political culture from, from the country that surrounds it. Vienna is a very sort of liberal, quite an international place. Until 2012, part of the, the ring of boulevards that surround the, the old city centre was named after a, a former mayor called Dr. Karl Luger. The problem is, Dr. Karl Luger, who was uh, mayor at the turn of the 20th century, was um it was kind of uh, really unpleasantly anti-Semitic. So in 2012, after much debate, the city authorities decided to rename Dr. Karl Luger Ring, and it became University Step Ring instead. I, I said that it's a very different political culture from the rest of Austria. You can really see that if you look at the maps of, of last year's Austrian presidential election. That election, uh, as, as I'm sure you'll know, being huge experts in, in European politics, that election was won by the Green candidate, Alexander van der Bellen. But if you look at the maps of the results of that election, it's really just Vienna and uh, a few other cities like Salzburg. There are these tiny green dots in this, this sea of blue, because most of rural Austria voted for a right-wing populist called Norbert Hofer. Who is, I mean, he's very right wing. He's, this is, this is sort of proper, sort of slightly scary territory here. Anyway, that's enough talk about a liberal city that was once the centre of the world, surrounded by a country of a totally different political culture. Let's talk about London and Brexit. Uh, the interview you're about to hear was actually recorded, uh, well, months ago. It was recorded on the 1st of June, a week before this year's UK election. Editing it now, I was shocked to find that there was there's a hint of the sort of unexpected result of that election to come in some of the data that we, we talk about here. See, see if you can spot it. 
I'm James O'Malley. I'm a freelance writer and journalist and that sort of thing. Also, I believe last year you were briefly an advocate for London independence. Yeah, following the EU referendum, I accidentally founded a secessionist movement that I'm not entirely sure I believe in. So how ironic were you being at this point? <laughs> so I, I started the thing, at, it was a, so I started this petition, at, I think it was like 5am on the Friday after the referendum, so literally as David Dimbleby was on the TV and said, we're actually, we're leaving the EU, I felt really you know, sad about this. I, I, I think we share opinions about, about Europe yeah. in that respect. I'm, I'm one of those people who think that ever closer union is a good thing, um, which is a really unpopular opinion to have. Yeah, me too. I've never, like, <laughs> I mean, there are problems with the EU, but I've never mm. been bothered by ever closer union. I think that actually sounds quite sensible anyway yeah did you also like star trek as a kid i think it's probably that to well be honest. weirdly I, I, never, I never watched star trek oh, that's, i know I'm, that's like a nerd i know i, I look like a very nerdy overweight man because that's literally what i am but weirdly i've never watched star trek but um i, I just think my, my, my pro i'm already off topic but i think my pro-european attitudes come largely from watching sci-fi with sort of unified earth governments in it mm. but anyway yeah, like, yeah. it's 5 a.m yeah, the yeah. day after the referendum so, I, I was i was frustrated i was angry i'm a you know a liberal who lives in North London so I thought I'm going to start a petition because petitions can change the world not not entirely seriously so I just went to change.org and typed in yeah let's make London independent because clearly London had voted very differently to most of the rest of the country and, and I was planning to go to bed but then suddenly it started sort of accruing thousands and thousands of, um, of signatures because I clearly hit on something so I basically was positioning around you know Sadiq Khan Mayor Sadiq Khan wouldn't prefer to be president why don't you you know join the EU join the Schengen zone and declare London independent and this clearly sort of struck a nerve with sort of, I guess, sort of bitter Remainers <laughs> who were who were sort of slightly shocked by the result. And um, yeah, it just it just went crazy. Like literally, every time I'd refresh the page, it would be going up like hundreds of signatures a time. And then for the whole weekend afterwards, I was like the sort of the silly the silly story to sort of cap everyone's um, EU referendum coverage. So I had international TV crews queuing up outside my house. <laughs> it was very very odd. So at what point in this process were you starting to think? Oh, I'm not sure I thought this one through, lads. <laughs> like... Well, it, well <laughs> it, was, it was really interesting seeing the reaction. So I, I think uh, you know, most people who signed the petition got to 180,000 signatures. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah it was a lot of people. Uh, I think most people were like me. They were sort of really staunch Remainers who um, you know, think that we should be an open and welcoming country and this sort of thing. Um, but there were actually a few people who signed it who do actually think that London should be independent. I did an event at Conway Hall in London a couple of weeks after the referendum and I was invited along because I'd done this, this silly viral petition um, to be on stage and um, afterwards the people come to me going right when are we going to do this let's start a movement let's let's start a political party and I was like hang on, hang on I'm not really sure I believe in this cause fully because, because my, my sort of line on it was you know, I put as much thought into my cause as the Leave campaign put into theirs. Which, which is actually, as we're now finding out, it's not a great basis for yeah, a platform of yeah, government, exactly. is it? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, 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 think, I don't think we have had enough of experts. If I want to fully back this, I want a million, you know, experts and academics and think tanks to sign off and go, yeah, this, this could actually be a thing that would, that would be a good thing in the world. But yeah, people... Are, have actually been hardcore sort of proper Londependence uh, supporters who have tried to sort of start their own thing and there's a number of Twitter accounts I think they had a few meetups to be honest I'm not entirely in touch with the movement uh, <laughs> now which so you've created this monster and then just set it loose in the world to cause havoc yeah well, well you're basically Frankenstein <laughs> 
I, I'm a bit worried I sort of have accidentally sort of undermined the sort of, you know, post-Westphalian order or something, because um, <laughs> because if you look like, I think after after Trump won, there was sort of a California independence referendum, or, or independence movement, sorry, and, um, and various other cities have sort of said, oh, let's be independent as well, so hopefully I haven't sort of caused the end of all Western stability by... By sort of starting this petition as a bit of a joke. But. Well, city-states are a thing. I mean, like, you know, Singapore was mm. ejected from Malaysia after quite a short period of time and has been incredibly successful. It's one of the most successful mm. countries of the second half of the 20th century, if you kind of look at what happened to living standards there. So, it can, you know, it can work. Well, I'm, I'm quite persuaded by, I think it was the, the guy you had on the podcast a while back who was basically arguing that the cities and mayors are the, the future sort of primary oh, organising yeah, unit. Yeah, Benjamin Barber, he died mm. quite recently. Oh. So, yeah. But um, I, I thought he was very persuasive. And also I thought, you know, if like the the, the, the intellectual rationale for independence, I guess, was looking back to like medieval sort of city-states, which were these, you know, uh, or the, so the, 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 the free states, so these sort of oases of like learning and and, and relative liberalism for the time. It worked, people could make their own destiny. Yeah, that's why we had, that's how social mobility became a thing because people weren't just, you know, born on a farm and died on a farm. People would go to the cities and be able to, do their own thing so that's sort of why i was thinking well yeah london's sort of open and welcoming like that maybe 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 a set an independent london could could be a thing but okay how are we defining london though because <laughs> london you know city of london proper and 32 boroughs mm. i believe five of those boroughs did vote leave mm. uh, you know i actually grew up in one of them you know in the event of in the event of like london going independence the london borough of havering is going straight back to essex <laughs> I think probably by mutual consent, they won't want to come <laughs> along. London won't want them to come along. But so, like, where are you, like, where are you putting the boundaries here? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be honest. As you might have guessed, I haven't really thought the London Independence Plan, plan through. Um, but I, you know, I, 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 I've been saying I don't think I don't want London independence in the sense, in any sense that I would want it to be the sort of place where you'd be putting up border posts on the M25 and having you know printing our own currency with like I don't know Barbara Windsor on or something because <laughs> we join the euro. Um, she but, works bloody hard. Barbara <laughs> she works bloody hard. But in terms of sort of drawing the boundary, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess you could go for the sort of ultra-Romania. Interestingly, I did do a sort of... I, I downloaded all of the um, the signatories and worked out which sort of constituencies and which areas of London they were all sort of located in. And basically, I've now got a sort of map that I can't share because of data protection reasons, but I've, um, I've got a map of all, basically ultra-liberal London. So it's all of, all of the sort of moderately affluent liberals, I guess, who sign the petition, who are the sort of hardcore Europhiles. Can you, I know can you give exactly us where they live. any sense of like which bits of London are included in that map? Basically, it's um, it's exactly where you'd um, expect. So it's it's Islington, it's Crouch End, it's it's um, it's Dalston, it's it's those sorts of areas which do have. Which, which is have it the basically highest... zones one and two, except for the really posh bits out west? Is that what we're talking about here? I, I think more or less. Although actually, the weird thing was a lot of the sort of posh bits. So sort of Kensington had quite a lot of people sign it in, in there as well. So yeah. and um, in the number of the seats, there were sort of more signatories of the petition than the sort of Tory majority. I think, or something like that, but uh, actually, I can't work out what yeah. that the political significance that would be because I can't do the math on it. But, but one of the reasons I think boundaries are a, a, a difficult question with any mm. of this, a, any argument like this, not just the sort of London independence thing, is London doesn't exist in a vacuum. Right? Mm. So that the functional footprint of London is much, much bigger than either that kind of you know core liberal London mm. or, or like the urban area of the city. Like people will come, will commute to London from all over the southeast of England and beyond. Mm. 
and like it's very difficult to see how you could kind of sort of cut the city proper away from from its hinterland, which is often much less liberal and pro-Romanian. Yeah, no, well, I, I completely agree with that assessment because I always, I mean, I, I live in. Um, I live in Crouchend because I'm a complete stereotype. Um, but um, and, and you know, I, I wander through there thinking, oh, this is lovely, isn't it? Just isn't London just nice? And then when you, when I you know when you get the train or you go further out of London, and you see like just all of the the endless sort of rows of warehouses and and basically all the support infrastructure to keep London going on the outskirts, then it just makes you think, yeah, it's not you can't you can't just have relentlessly nice, lovely liberal London. There's got to be other stuff to keep this stuff going. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if you uh, saw the French election result a couple of months ago, mm. where in the second round, um, Macron got something crazy, like 96% in the city of Paris, mm. um, and, and you know, hardly anyone voted for Marine Le Pen, for you know, probably a similar reason to the fact that you know, London so remained, because cities do tend to be kind of liberal and anti-racist and mm. so on. But that, the, the, the city of Paris is not really all of Paris. It's just kind of the official municipalities. That's sort of the zone mm. one and two area again. And my suspicion is if you kind of looked at the economic footprint of the city, then there's probably some Marine Le Pen votes out there somewhere. Mm. I think this is probably quite a common pattern is the suburbs are not quite in the same political culture as the city itself. No, I, I, I think that's right, and I think that's why, as perhaps as a tradition, as a transitional demand rather than full independence, we just gave her more powers for the sort of London and the, the wider area because that's surely something everyone could get behind. Because you know, the, 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 I mean, I think City Car made this argument in the days following the, the referendum as well that it is very different to the rest of the country in terms of its, its needs and its challenges and what it can do. So, for example, you know, most people in London use public transport, so transport is a bigger issue for us. Housing, the housing crisis here is magnified more than the rest of the country so maybe more powers maybe more powers for London that, that could be a thing that all of London whether leave or remain voters could get behind because then we could have a mayor who's empowered to try and solve these things okay well that seems like a much more reasonable demand <laughs> so that's it I've sold out and I'm a politician haven't I I started with this radical agenda got the people on board and that now I'm mellowing out and <laughs> because of the political reality I hope you're looking forward to getting denounced on Twitter by the hardcore. Because, I mean, these people do still exist. Like, I do mm. occasionally get angry tweets from, from one of them for not taking it seriously as a cause. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I, I am a little bit worried. And I, I think I, I have got, probably got some sort of disillusioned orig, original supporters. So, yeah, so sorry about that if, if you're listening. Mm. I'm, I, I, I guess maybe, maybe people like... Maybe, maybe did Che Guevara ever, like, disillusion anyone? Did anyone, like, fight the good fight? And then he... I don't know, but... You're like you're basically Tony Blair, is what we've learned. <laughs> Why don't you just go and invade a medium-sized country? I'll do my best. <laughs> so, did you spot the prediction? It was the high concentration of Remain votes in Kensington. The, the idea that the, the number of angry Remainers in some seats was actually higher than the size of the Tory majority. Uh, a week after we recorded that, the Tories lost the seat of Kensington to Labour on a 10.6% swing. One of the biggest shocks of the election, and we were, and I was sat on that data, and I had it just passed me by. I should have put a bet on. Anyway, next week, if all goes to plan, will be our Christmas special, our proper Christmas special this time. Uh, Stephanie's meant to be coming back. We haven't quite worked out what we're going to talk about yet. So if you have any strong views about that one, then drop one of us online on Twitter. And uh, we'll see you next time. Hey. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.